Devcast is back again, and now we will talk about reactive extensions. I had a rather good uh, podcast uh, this autumn with uh, Jonathan uh, Worthington, excuse me, Jonathan, uh, about CQRS. It was rather good. And after that, I really want to do another podcast with Jonathan. And he has many subjects in his mind that we can talk about. But today we talk about reactive extensions, what that is and how you should use it. So, So welcome back, Jonathan. Thanks. It's nice to be back again. Should you introduce yourself once more for the new listeners? I can do that. Um, so, um, hi. Well, I'm I'm from England, and uh, I'm currently based in Sweden, doing some some work at a uh, a company called Edument. I do training and uh, mentoring on on software architecture, software design, programming. Um, we actually teach a lot of Git at the moment as well. So that's kind of what I'm doing with work. I also do a lot of open source things um, over in the the Perl world. So I kind of have my my feet curiously in this uh, these two camps where I spend a lot of time doing .NET things and a bunch of time doing Perl things. Uh, due to working on a, a virtual machine, I actually write a lot of C at the moment as well. So. Uh, Wow. Are you building a virtual machine, a hypervisor or something like that? No, not a hypervisor, more like the JVM or the CLR. Okay, um, well, that's so I, I'm working in this area as well. <laughs> do we need a one, not another one? Uh, not to do either of those. Um, I have done a bunch of stuff with the JVM at sort of a lower level. Um, when I, I got the uh, the Perl compiler actually targeting uh, the, the JVM. Um, I should say the the Perl six compiler specifically, but uh, I'm I'm working on a, a new one as well at the moment, which is is very sort of focused, um, and uh, well, we'll we'll see where it goes. Um, but the initial results are, are interesting, and it's it's a lot of fun problems to work on. So you have no problem with the spare time? You don't have any spare time? Yeah, well, that's just, yeah, that's probably the reality. I don't have any spare time. But when I, when I take vacation, I really take vacation. Okay, that's good. Good to hear. Uh, but how about reactive extensions? Uh, I, I talked with my wife uh, on the way home uh, just th- this night, this evening, and she said, "What's reactive extension? It sounds rather small thing. Should you talk about that? Do you have uh, how long should you talk about that?" So. We will probably talk about that for a rather long for, for a rather long time. But but what is reactive extension, and why did you choose this topic for for a new podcast? Well, I I kind of got interested in the, the reactive extensions uh, a little while ago uh, when I was sort of really surveying the the landscape of of sort of concurrent, asynchronous, and parallel programming. So just to sort of put this in the context of stuff that's already happened in C-sharp and .NET, because I think it's always nice when you can relate this to something you know. So maybe you're familiar somewhat with Link. Yeah, yeah, of course, Link. We all are. So, well, I'd I'd like to think all are. I occasionally run into those who aren't, but uh, yes, that's that's desirable that all are at least. Anyway, Link um, is kind of interesting, and one of the things that is really powerful about it is that it, along with the, the features introduced into C-sharp to support Link, let us factor out things that we couldn't really factor out easily before. So if you think about something like uh, where, what the where 
Primitive in, in Link is doing, or Combinator, to use the, uh, the term they, they sometimes like to, uh, is, is really it's factoring out a bit of flow control where you go over some inputs and you sort of do a, essentially an if statement and uh, you choose what goes into the output stream. And that's a fairly simple we call combinator. A combinator just being something that you know acts purely based on the things that you give it as input and doesn't take anything from you know from the, the, the outside world. But one of the, the things that uh, you can realize is that some of those combinators are actually a lot more powerful. So things like uh, join uh, is doing quite a lot more work. Um, if it's in memory, you know, it, it's constructing some kind of hash set there so it can efficiently bring the sets of data together. Um, aggregate is doing a little bit more. So what we get to do is, is factor out these essentially little bits of algorithm and then, uh, you know, parameterize them or by passing in these, these sort of lambda expressions which say, well, you know, fine, you're filtering, but here is the thing to filter on or you're sorting, but here is what to sort on. So that really got a lot of kind of boring um, cruft out of our code and managed to to let us you know get that stuff shuffled off into these these combinators. Now Rx is kind of doing the same, um, but with one important well a few important differences. Um, but the big way that it helps us is that it factors out details of synchronization. Now, if you've done much in the way of parallel or asynchronous programming, uh, you know, keeping things synchronized when we have data coming from uh, different, you know, sources, or we have the user interacting with us at the same time as we're trying to do things, uh, we, we have all of these kind of concerns that, you know, what if these two things happen in this order? Um, will, will things still go to plan? So what they figured out is that you can use this this link idea, um, which really goes back to. You know. Hello, you're not out again. Hey, did we ah. lose that? <laughs> uh, let's continue. Uh, okay. Mm? You were talking about um, uh, factoring out um, the link query. Uh, you're talking about the reactive extensions. You started talking about that, the, the difference between uh, the first thing that you said about the where clause and so on. Okay. So, so what they, they realized with reactive extensions is that you can not only factor out um, the sort of flow control, but you can also factor out synchronization. Uh, which is a very difficult and tricky sort of area if you're starting to do concurrent or asynchronous uh, sort of programming. So the problem really is that you know things can come in and happen in in any order. So if you are you know having a, a user typing some some text into a, a search box, and you know the keystrokes are arriving, and then you need to go off to some web service and and sort of call. Uh, you know, to get some search results with what they've typed in. Of course, the user will sort of keep typing as well. And you get into all of these icky situations like, you know, what happens if the user types something and pauses a bit and we say, that's a good point to make the query. So we make the query to the web service. The user types a bit more. So we say, oh, we should make another query. But do we remember to cancel the first one if it didn't come back yet? Or what if something really awkward happens like, you know, the second query is results come back really quickly, 
we didn't cancel the first one, then its results come back and we show the user results from, you know, a query ago. And, you know, these are all things that can happen. Networks are unreliable. Um, we can, you know, get sent off to one server that's busy or another one that's quiet. The user can interact with the application at exactly the points that they want to. Um, so we, we kind of are getting into this sort of... So, uh, so it's a new kind of event listeners then? Uh, so, on different so, objects or streams or what you should say? So, so yeah, I mean, the, the Rx view basically is that you can essentially view the world as a stream of things. Um, so, you know, when you move your mouse around, that's a stream of points. And once you, you know, if you, if you think about what Link's good at, anytime you've got data and you can treat it as like a list or a sequence of things, then you can write a link query over it. And, you know, I spend a lot of time when I'm teaching people our, you know, advanced C-sharp course, I spend a lot of time showing them, like, look, everything around us, you know, so many things are lists, uh, and you can express an awful lot of problems in link. So now, you can, so you can say that this is more an, uh, instead of a static uh, collection, you have an open-ended collection where you can have link, uh, uh, a link question uh, put on it? Well, it's it's not so much open-ended. I mean, you can actually have a, a an open-ended link query as well. You know, you know, when you use the the yield keyword in C sharp, you can actually write something that yields you know an infinite number of things, and as long as you only ask for the first ten of them in the link query, you're good. So the big difference isn't about finite or infinite. The big thing that happens with Rx is that it's actually all about setting up a pipeline so that when let's call it an event arrives in the stream it gets pushed through the pipeline and that's that's where the asynchrony comes in so what's happening is you know with a normal link query um, you know if you write a link query and you just assign it to a variable and you don't call to list or first or any of those things then um, it doesn't do anything mm. It just sits there and says, well, I'm not doing any work until you actually give me, you know, uh, a demand for a certain number of results or to count the results or to add the results together or any of those things. But until you do that, the link query just, just quite happily sits there and, and doesn't do a lot. Well, with Rx, um, what you're doing there is you're also actually building a little pipeline. And, you know, it's, it's a very similar thing. The thing that makes it a little bit different is that when you're working with link against something that you're querying, for example, a collection in memory or a, a database, suppose I do a loop over that thing. So I do for each var, you know, row in the database query. What happens is it can't start executing that loop until it gets a result back from the database. And it can't do a second iteration of that loop until it gets the next result back, and so on and so forth. So essentially, it's, it's, it's synchronous programming. You know, it's like when you call a method and you, you sit waiting for the result, and, and then it comes back. So we, we kind of say that, that normal link is all about pull. So Rx, on the other hand, is, is really about push. So you're, you're building up this pipeline of operations in the same way. But at the end, it isn't that you sort of start consuming them as such. 
it's not used subscribe. Now, subscribe is being used in the same sense here as publish subscribe. I don't know if you've ever built a system where, you know, you, you have events and, you know, you, you register and say, I want to know when, for example, you know, a, a customer registers on the, the site or when an order is made hmm. because I need to, say, invalidate some cache or update something somewhere. So it's subscribe in that sense. And at the point you subscribe, what you're saying is I'm now interested in any events uh, that happen to flow through the query that I've just set up and then at the end of it, call the thing that I just subscribed. Mm. So if I, if I can say it in another way, uh, you, you put a link where, for example, you say first name should be dog. Uh, so then you have a, a collection that, or a stream that puts new customer objects into that stream all the time. But uh, when you get a, a customer with the first name of dog, you then uh, trigger an event that you have sub been subscribing to. Well, it, it triggers the next thing in the pipeline. Okay, the next thing. And that could uh, so, be my code so, or so, something like that. So sort of, let's, let's go create a Let's do a very concrete example uh, of something that I um, I demonstrated with this recently. So the thing that I, I did in my demonstration was I was talking about airports. And uh, you know when you go to the airport and they, they're making announcements. So they announce, you know, this gate has just opened or your flight has been delayed um, or, you know, this flight has been canceled and so forth. And if you think about it, these are all, you know, it, when each time one of these things happens, it's an event. And they can come in at pretty much any time. You can have two gate staff who, you know, both open the gate for a flight for boarding at about the same time. Now, what I wanted to do was to, to actually, you know, connect this all up to some kind of voice synthesis so it would actually speak the announcements. So what I, what I really wanted to have was the announcements being something uh, where I could subscribe and receive each of them and, and just sort of speak them out using the, the speech synthesis thing. And of course, I didn't want to, you know, to do two at the same time. So what I essentially expressed this as was a subscription to a link query. And when I subscribe at that point, what happens is it, it goes and it, it sort of goes all the way back up to the top of the query and it sort of finds the original sources of, of events. And in this case, what I actually had was uh, just an object called a subject, which you can use just to, to sort of, you know, throw events into. And that's really the sort of, you could see that as a sort of a source. It's sort of the start of a, of a pipeline, if you like. So subject is a part of the reactive extensions then? It is, it is. Sub subjects are part of the, the reactive extensions. They're not actually something that you, you want to make a, a sort of excessive use of. Um, but, you know, when you're, you're getting started, they, they can sometimes be a, uh, a nice thing to, to work with. Particularly if you're, you know, you're trying to do something like this where we have, you know, some events coming from somewhere else in our system um, and we just want to feed them in. So what happens is you you basically you know suppose, suppose that we have this object that contains something like you know uh, a flight code 
uh, a destination and a gate number. And what I will do with that is I would subscribe um, to, you know, I want to subscribe to the, uh, the events coming in. But the way that I actually express this is not immediately by subscribing, but instead I, I just take that, that subject, that place that we'll, we'll know about all of the, uh, the times when we say open the, the gate for a flight. And I just do a, a dot select on it in this case. And I, all I do is format a string that just contains the information. So what I've now got is a, you know, a query and it looks something like, you know, from, um, you know, let's call it G in gate opened events, select string dot format. And we, we're just formatting the message related to that. Now, just like with normal link, I haven't actually done any real work yet. So later on, what I did was I, I would then do dot subscribe on this, this link query that I've written. And at the point that I call subscribe and I pass the lambda, it then goes back up the chain. So it goes to the where and it says, well, you know, I'm relying on you to tell me stuff now. And the West says, well, I don't know how to tell you stuff, but let me see where I'm getting stuff from. So it goes to the subject and the subject says, yes, you can subscribe to me. I'm an actual source of, of information. So what happens from then on is whenever we, we have one of these, these gate uh, opened events uh, given to the subject, it gets pushed down through this pipeline uh, and, you know, at the, the end, we've subscribed the, the speech sort of synthesis thing. But, you know, we can actually potentially subscribe multiple things. So we could subscribe something that just is going to show the messages up on the screen uh, for people who don't hear well. Um, or, you know, if we want to, to go and, say, update some kind of XML feed that we're producing, we, we could do that as well. So that's, you know, part of it. But then, you know, we could, we could also go and start doing extra things in our query too. So instead of just selecting, we can start doing, you know, where. Uh, so we can, we can filter out certain events. Um, or we can, we can start doing things that are interesting and involving time. So we can say, well, I want to throttle this so I don't actually, you know, do any more than this number of events per second. And if more come in, just drop them. So essentially, that's the, the overall idea that we're setting up, just like with normal link pipelines, but instead of us, you know, calling something at the end that gets us results or looping at the end to get results, we're just setting something up and saying, whenever something comes through the pipeline, let that happen and then, you know, call me. And sometimes actually the pipeline being executed is enough as well. Um, so you just do dot subscribe, you don't give it any arguments. And somewhere in the pipeline, you might have a call to a method, we call it dot do, which actually just does side effects along the way. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, you know, the sort of space you might use this in or the sort of thing you might do with this. So, uh, as you said, this is a part of the, uh, the patterns to do asynchronously. Uh, that's a very hard word for me to say in English, uh, programming. Uh, how is it this uh, compared with the new task, uh, with the weight uh, objects in C-sharp and Visual Basic and so on? 
is it that's, a, that's, can... that's a good question. Um, so the, the thing that's, uh, that's notable about, you know, working with task and, and async and await is, you know, when you, when you await something, it comes back and it gives you a result or it gives you an exception. Um, and, and that's that, then it's over. Um, you know, if you, you want to, to do another thing later on, then you, you need to go and, uh, sort of, you know, do another asynchronous operation and await that. With Rx, it's it's much more looking at the world in terms of streams of things. So you you have a whole bunch of different things coming. Now, some of those streams might just be a single thing, but in the case of, you know, suppose I've got a stream of, of mouse movements, um, it's going to be a whole bunch of things. And we're going to, to want to do something uh, each time that we we get one of those values in, so with Rx it's it's much less sort of one shot. Um, it's it's sort of setting up a, a pipeline that will have things pushed through it again and again over time, um, and you know you're you're actually also letting go of a, a, a lot more sort of control as well. I mean with async await, what you're really doing is you're you know you're saying await this and you know, you're, you're not blocking really, but what you are doing is, you know, you're, you're writing your code in a, a way that is, in, in, a, in a sense, just like what you would have done synchronously um, and relying on it to be, you know, transformed a little bit. But you, you expect to come back to, you know, some particular thread due to the synchronization context unless you say otherwise um, and, and, and so forth. With Rx, it's it's very much that you you know you're you're not so in control of the you know unless you want to be of course of the you know where where things flow or when things happen um, you're when you subscribe you're not sitting waiting for anything you're just saying oh that thing is subscribed now and you know whatever thread comes and gives an event in that's the thread that we will flow flow through that that whole pipeline with uh, so. You know, it's there's sort of a difference in in number. Uh, you know, the the RX view is is much more streamy, but there's there's also not really the the sort of concept of synchronization context. Um, now you can uh, when you you do things with with RX sort of say, oh, um, you know, I want to to observe this on the the UI thread because I'm going to do UI updates with my subscription. And it will do that for you, and it will will take care of it. Um, but it's not the default. Uh, it's you know that that isn't something you you get for free, as it were. Good. I, I was searching about the reactive extensions here just before the podcast, and I see that uh, it's not the site is not updated um, for a year or so. Is this not the popular framework, or is it? Not supported by Microsoft because it's it's a Microsoft framework. It is. Um, it's it, it's been. I mean, it's 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 come from Microsoft. the The original work on this was done at at Microsoft, and uh, you know, a bunch of the the people involved, not all, uh, are still there. So, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to say why you know the site isn't updated. I don't have any inside info on that. Um, I do know a lot of people are using it. Um, you know, I, I, I see this being used fairly widely. 
What's also interesting is that since Rx came out on .NET, it's actually been taken as an idea and then ported to lots and lots of other languages as well. So, you know, there's, there's Rx in JavaScript, um, there's, there's Rx, um, you know, on, on Java. Um, I, I believe it's, it's become quite popular to use it uh, from, from Scala as well. But you mean uh, so, that it was uh, invented, if you can say it, at Microsoft first, or it was invented there first, um, but then it was such a, a nice idea that uh, it, it was it, it very quickly spread. Um, but yeah, it was it was invented at Microsoft, and the you know I think .NET was the uh, the, the first you know language or the first platform to to have this. Um, but once the the ideas escaped, then uh, it was it was very quickly ported uh, because the 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 power of the the approach was was kind of recognized. Is it uh, in in which versions of .NET is it included, or is it included now, or it's, do you, do you need not, to download it? It's not included. It's something you would get through through NuGet. Um, but it work on which .NET versions does it work? Um. Certainly, I've been using it with 4.5. I believe it will work uh, back in 4 as well. And I think um, it works for, so works for Windows Phone. And yes, such a... that, that's one area. I'm not a Windows Phone guy at all, uh, but that is one area where you know I have heard people working on it as well. Um, the infrastructure that they, they basically have is that they have a, a sort of portable uh, implementation of Rx, and then they have essentially sort of platform-specific enhancements that improve performance of it to take advantage of things available in, in certain environments. Um, and I, I think Windows Phone may be one of the ones where they, they actually have some of those, those enhancements in place as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a place where it's, it's very applicable because you know, Windows Phone really wants you to program in a very asynchronous style. Um, it wants you to work in terms of, you know, of, of tasks and, and asynchronous requests um, in order to actually get a responsive user experience. No one wants their phone application to sort of freeze up on them while it goes off to the web and requests something. Um, so the, the approach has kind of been to, you know, to, to try and make that never happen by, by pushing people in an asynchronous direction. And, and that's something that Rx is, is helpful with. Is it is this mainly used on the client side or is used on the server side also? You you can do both of it. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of places that you can do client side with it. So in in WPF, there's there's a, you know a reactive UI, um, which basically lets you wire up all of your your user interface events and uh, commands uh, in terms of Rx. Uh, which is a you know again quite a natural thing to be doing because you know user interfaces are all about events coming in, and uh, you know you you want to, to sort of take decisions about what can I do now and what should be enabled uh, based on on that that state. So yeah, it's definitely applicable there, but also you know I think it's it's very applicable over you know back in the the sort of business logic side as well. Because once you, you know, provided you, and this is a big if, uh, get your system factored in a, a fairly sort of event-driven way, 
then what will happen is you'll you already have these events and as soon as you get into a place where your domain is concurrent so you have say multiple customers can order at about the same time or you know perform other actions at the same time then you've got you know these streams of events coming in and it might be very nice to to actually express some of the you know the things that you you want to do as a consequence of them in terms of of rx queries uh, one of the big reasons you might want to do this is that some of the combinators are all about merging different streams. And if you, you know, you kind of imagine that you were looking to, you know, you, you get some, some kind of order um, in and then, you know, that goes off and there's going to be some sort of notification from a warehouse as well and you want to correlate the two, those are going to come in on, you know, different threads. Um, and if you want to look and sort of pick out the, the appropriate thing, it's nice that if you express that with Rx, it will factor out that, that synchronization work for you. Um, so I, I think it's got applications there. But talking of client side a little more, um, one of the other things that I think is quite exciting is that now that Rx has been ported to JavaScript as well, this actually means that you can be doing things where you know you establish some kind of web socket um which which is going to the the signal laughing um you then have say some rx stuff running on the the server um which is you know doing some sort of queries based on things going on in the domain it then pushes those out over the web socket and then you're doing reactive programming in uh, javascript with rxjs to actually get these things in and you know keep the the user interface updated so you can you can actually maybe you know cross the the client server uh boundary there you know with with web sockets as well so i think it's fairly broadly applicable in that sense yeah what's what's the relationship between reactive extension and single r well is it any or i'm not sure i see in i mean I, as far as I understand it, that's a uh, a way of essentially letting you do push-based things on the web. Push-based things on um, the web. The the web you, you are breaking up, so yeah. yeah. push-based things. Yeah. So the web, the web is traditionally um, request-response. So I, you know, I make a HTTP request and back comes a response. So, so SignalR is more the, the communication the uh, protocol and then you have a reactive extension above it to, to oh, more... Kind of, kind of. Um, what, so, so the thing to, that, um, you know, is the, is the shiny new HTML5 way of doing uh, push-based things. See, since the web was request-response, there wasn't really a way for the server, you know, originally to say, oh, something just happened. Uh, and tell you know JavaScript code in the browser about it. So what you know traditionally has happened is you pop, you go and you know every say you know a few seconds you go and ask the server has anything changed. But of course you know you've got quite a lot of latency there. So various things started happening to improve that. One of them was long polling, um, where basically you you. Uh, you open the request to the web server and it would just sort of sit there and not answer you until something happened. 
um, and then it would quickly give the response. And you know that that was one way of doing it. And then WebSockets came along, and you know basically provided a, a, a proper way, if you like, uh, where you really can have a you know a a two way connection uh, opened with the the server. Now the thing is that not every you know browser would get WebSockets right away. Um, that takes you know time to to get adopted and so forth, and you know long polling kind of works. You know anyway, it's it's less efficient, but it's 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 plausible to to do things that way. So basically, the the Signal R library um, really just sort of says, well, what is the best strategy we can do given that we we have this particular web browser. Um, so if WebSockets are there, it can use them. If not, it can fall back to long polling. Um, uh, so it basically your way to push things out from server to browser. I think I would need to have a podcast about Singular also sometime in the near future. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, it is. I I have a more concrete case, uh, and I will see if I can use reactive extensions to solve that. And I want to do a, a cloud service that, in some way, listening to my Twitter feed and do something when different words or something like that is is included in in uh, the followers I follow. Can I do that with reactive extensions? Well, that's a good question. Um, it says that you can it, use tweets and so on here in the about reactive extension on the website. So I thought that maybe Twitter had some streaming uh, uh, API that you can use uh, to get uh, data to reactive extension and then uh, right. work and, with it. But the, the, this is this is very much the sort of thing that um, that is quite nice to do with reactive extensions. Um, if they if they provide an API that, that very nicely gives you um, you know these uh, the sort of streaming continual delivery approach that's that is perfect. Um, otherwise, you can at least you know adapt something that's that's you know polling them frequently and uh, and then pushing them through the pipeline. Uh, but yeah, that that very much is the sort of thing that that reactive uh, extensions would be. Would be able to to do quite nicely, because you know tweets are things that happen at any point in time. Um, you can get you know a bunch of them at once, and then just just a few. Um, if you're doing that kind of analysis, you you probably might want to you know to try and you know correlate things across uh, you know different uh, different feeds or track things across different conversations. So yeah, I'd I'd say that that's a you know a place where um, expressing those things with with Rx uh, would be good, particularly if you want to say anything about time, um, because you know programming with time is is always you know that that does well often at least a, a real nuisance. Um, uh, what do you mean in uh, by time here? By expressing queries like, for example. Um, I would like to, you know, group things that happen within a period of, say, ten seconds. Or if I get, you know, more than, you know, fifty things happening in the space of a second, then, you know, just drop any extra ones. Um, or if I have a value and it's changing, um, 
you know, I, I want to, to actually wait until it's been stable for at least uh, a certain amount of time before I, I proceed. Um, that, that last one, by the way, is, is actually exactly the, the case I talked about earlier, where the user types something into a search box and you want to wait for them to, to stop typing for a moment before you go and issue a search query. Uh, and, you know, those, those sorts of things, um, if you just try and code them up yourself, um, they're not that easy. Uh, with Rx, it actually has things built in to, to let you express uh, those sorts of, of queries and that, you know, buffering, uh, filtering uh, on, on time in a, in a quite elegant way. Another use case would uh, be to, to use it uh, with a queue, or it could be the endpoint of a queue, so you can uh, in some way um, uh, filter the queue items and so on, on and do different things on different kinds of queue items, or? I, well, was, I was thinking, for example, on the Azure storage, the queues that we have there, or? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing with queues is that they are... Um, I, I, I mean, I guess I guess it fits kind of well. Um, but if, if your queue is is sort of between systems, uh, yeah, that that kind of fits. I mean, you have things coming into the queue. Um, you know, you're essentially subscribed to those things that are arriving, and and then you're you're processing them with Rx. Um, yeah, I mean, the you know things um, will will arrive in the queue. Um, you know, at any point in time potentially. Uh, I mean, the queue is is already going to be giving you a certain amount of you know of, uh, sort of temporal you know control. It'll be be buffering things a bit as well. Um, but yeah, again, you know that's any any situation where you know you have things um, where your flow of control is not about you uh, sort of you know wanting to to sit and wait. It's much more that when something happens, you want to do this. Um, that's where where reactive is 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 interesting, and yeah, that is very much the case of the queue. You you have things arriving, you know, at, at whatever point in time, and you you want to to start doing something with them. Nice. Thank you very much, Jonathan. That you were very proactive about reactive extensions. Yeah, well, it's a, it's an interesting topic. It's it's one of the the many um, you know different. Uh, things that's that's been sort of given to us in the 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 whole concurrent world, and uh, they've been doing an awful lot in the .NET framework in that space in in the last years. Um, you know, we 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 had async await, we have Rx, uh, we you know we have the the task parallel library. Um, they're all good at different things. They they all have their own sort of strengths for for different problems, and. And uh, Rx is, you know, it's it's a, a quite strong approach for for dealing with situations where you you have things arriving asynchronously, and you know streams of, of information, and you you want to to do stuff with them, react to them, correlate them, and so on. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think it's a powerful tool.